don't know me. My name is Stacy Rudolph. I've been attending Prince of Peace for a couple of years now, and you may have seen me up front helping out on a Sunday morning, singing with the band, or on Wednesday nights during Revolution. I currently work at General Mills in research and development making yogurt. Usually when I tell people I make yogurt for a living, I get that awkward laugh, as if it's not a real job, but it is. So I'm a chemist and a food scientist by trade, um, who's also discerning a call to be a pastor. I'm currently taking classes at Luther Seminary to work toward my master's degree to do just that. And I just finished my first year of coursework. So in the church calendar, this first Sunday after Pentecost is also known as Trinity Sunday. My first attempt to take a deeper look at the Trinity, that is beyond thinking about God as Father, Son, and Spirit, like we did in church growing up, took place in college. I was working on an essay for a theology course, and I got to choose my own topic. I thought I could write a fairly concise essay on the Trinity, And I was in for a huge surprise when I found rows and rows of books in our college library on the Trinity, because people have been exploring this topic and wrestling with it for a long time. I was humbled to discover the complexity surrounding the Trinity, and despite the confusion of God being one, but three, but still one, I felt compelled to study it deeper. Now, this past semester at Luther, I took a course exclusively on the Trinity, and I can confirm that a semester of study does not make one an expert on the topic, and that includes me, and yet it's a rich topic to dive into. So here we go. In the Pentecost reading from Acts for last Sunday, we hear of a Holy Spirit that comes onto the scene with a rush of violent wind and tongues of fire. It's a very dramatic and loud portrayal of her presence. Now, as an aside, I did just use her for the Holy Spirit. The word for spirit is feminine in Hebrew and gender neutral in Greek, so I'll be using both pronouns this morning. Now, I find it easy on the day of Pentecost to think of the coming of the Holy Spirit in that specific moment, in time and in space, and I am tempted to neglect her presence prior to that moment, as well as after that experience has ended. But the Holy Spirit is not confined to Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's arrival at Pentecost is not her first entrance into the world. We confess a co-eternal spirit, which means that the Holy Spirit was not created, but is truly God, and was present with God the Father and God the Word from the beginning of time. In Genesis, we hear that the Spirit of God swept over the face of the waters. So Spirit is not passive, but rather Spirit is creative force. And it's not as if the Holy Spirit is present at creation and fades into the background until Pentecost. She is active and moving throughout Hebrew scriptures and throughout all of history. 
Which brings us to today's passage, in which Jesus discusses the coming of the Spirit. Jesus' description of the Spirit appears to be a departure from the loud, chaotic, perhaps flashy, arrival of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Now, if you've been worshiping with us lately, you may remember Pastor Chad or Pastor Natalia talking about Jesus' farewell discourse in John's Gospel. And we find ourselves back in that farewell discourse this week. For those who aren't familiar or need a refresher, these chapters in John's Gospel depict Jesus' last conversations with his disciples prior to his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. And our reading begins with a distressed Jesus declaring, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus continues by saying that the spirit of truth will come to guide the disciples into truth. Now, at other points in the farewell discourse, Jesus speaks of the coming spirit as advocate, as teacher, as one who will testify on Jesus' behalf, and as one who will remind the disciples of all that Jesus said to them. And yet this moment feels different. As I was reading the text for this week and preparing my sermon, I was struck by the Spirit as deliverer of truths we cannot bear. Jesus had so much that he desired to teach his disciples, to share with them, and experiences he wanted to walk through with them. But his time on earth was about to come to an end. And in this particular moment, Jesus speaks of a Spirit that will come to continue his work. And this Spirit has an important role of accompaniment and of bringing truth after Jesus is no longer physically present in the world, especially in the midst of experiences we and those we love cannot bear. Trauma theologian and author Shelley Rambo states that the Holy Spirit is the promise of God's continued presence with the disciples in the physical absence of Jesus. Now, not only is the Holy Spirit this accompanying presence for the disciples, but she continues to be active in the world following Pentecost. She is a spirit that sustains. At other points in John's Gospel, the spirit seems to exist solely to remind people of what Jesus had said. But in this passage, the spirit's role is described as something beyond reminding. The Holy Spirit continues to reveal and continues to create in the physical absence of Jesus. And this spirit is one we can trust. We know this because in the passage today, Jesus explains that the spirit will take all that is his and declare it. Jesus then goes on to clarify that all the Father has is his. So there is a unity within the members of the Trinity about the message of truth that the Spirit will deliver after Jesus is no longer physically present on earth. Now, the Spirit that continually brings the presence of God into the world is not here to solely deliver the truths we cannot bear and then disappear following their delivery. In a few verses prior to the Gospel lesson for today, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as an advocate. Now, the Greek word for advocate is parakletos, which signifies a calling alongside. And it describes someone who helps by defending and comforting others. The Holy Spirit is not a fleeting being that delivers unbearable truth in an uncaring or nonchalant way. 
but instead he is a steadfast presence. The spirit dwells within, remains, and accompanies while delivering truth. So when we find ourselves in the thick of things we cannot bear, when the test results come back from the doctor and they weren't what we were hoping, when the depression doesn't get better, when the trauma is triggered, when relationships fall apart, when someone we love passes away, and so many more life experiences that are truly unbearable, this is the exact moment where the spirit enters in to walk alongside you. Now, societally, we are an impatient people. We want things. We want them now. And that includes healing. We hustle and we hurry to get past these things we cannot bear when some of it is merely impossible to speed through. But the spirit of accompaniment, this advocate, reminds us that it isn't always about triumph over or what's on the other side, but rather the Spirit's presence with us in the middle of it all. And I know this may seem like a smaller or maybe more insignificant spirit than the flashy tongues of fire and the violent wind at Pentecost, but this Holy Spirit, though quieter, is equally as powerful because presence is power. And because of this promise of presence, we can have hope. As the text from Romans declares today, we boast in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Now, to be very clear, I'm not preaching a message of glorification of suffering. But when suffering happens, because it is bound to, whether directly to us, to a loved one, to a neighbor, we've never met, we can still have hope. If you are in a hopeful phase today, thanks be to God. And if you are in the midst of suffering, wondering how to endure, wondering how it could ever produce character and you feel as if you've lost hope, you have an advocate who sits with you in that suffering to comfort you and defend you. This hope does not mean that everything is tied up with a neat little bow. It doesn't mean you can necessarily see light at the end of the tunnel. This hope does not negate your suffering or erase what you're experiencing. Spirit's presence is not a means to downplay what you're going through. And yet you can hold both suffering and hope together. We're not called to keep the spirit of truth and hope to ourselves. Because we have the spirit inside of us, we are called to walk alongside our neighbors when they are in the midst of truths they cannot bear. Trauma theologian and author Shelley Rambo says that housing the spirit is not static. Instead, the spirit's residence within us transforms us into witnesses. The Holy Spirit is dynamic and transforming, calling us to advocate for and witness to those who are suffering and who are marginalized. And this is not an accompaniment that relies on our own power, our own ability, our own strength, though the temptation for that is real. Just this past week, I chatted with a coworker about the recent loss of her grandmother and the grief she's experiencing. 
and I felt a strong compulsion to come up with words to make it all better. We shouldn't feel pressured to say the right thing. We're not called to fix or to save. We are called to be present, to show up, to keep showing up, to check in, to continue checking in. Just as the Spirit is a sustaining presence that walks alongside us, so are we called to sustain and journey alongside those who are experiencing things they cannot bear. We are called to be available to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit that moves us to accompany and walk alongside them. So whether you are walking through something today that you cannot bear, or someone you know is, take comfort in the fact that the Holy Spirit appears right in the middle of that and whispers, Beloved, I am here. You are mine. I love you. And that is enough. Amen. Amen.